0: This is episode 153 of the Relate podcast on how teachers can better engage their students with Rose Burnett Bonsek and Mike Flanagan. We are spending more and more time in the online world, looking through our screens and increasingly disconnected with those around us. But studies have proven that it's real-life meaningful relationships that bring us the most joy and happiness. It's all about human connection and conversing with people from a variety of backgrounds. Worlds change when eyes meet, so let's sit down and relate. I am your host, Patrick McAndrew, and welcome to yet another episode of the Relate Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. If you are a teacher, be sure To tune in carefully to this episode, we are talking about how theatrical methods can be applied to your teaching as a way to engage more with your students. It's a very valuable conversation. We have on the show today Rose Bonsek and Mike Flanagan. And if Rose Bonsek, that name sounds familiar, it's because she was on a past episode of Relate, Rose is a theater director, consultant, and educator and author who has directed over a hundred productions, including off and off-off Broadway, regional and community theater, international festivals, and in education. And Mike Flanagan is a theater director and instructor of drama at Houston Community College, and he is also the associate producer of GI60 Live U.S. Edition, the international one-minute play festival where, over the years, he's directed over 100 short plays. He works alongside Rose in the GI60 Productions, as Rose is the festival director. And together, Rose and Mike have written a book called All the Classrooms, a Stage, which is an amazing book all about applying theater principles to teaching techniques. In this episode, we talk about how theater skills are applicable to the classroom, the importance of yes and why teachers need to practice more self-care, And we also dive into what we mean by theater skills. I think a lot of times those outside the industry are a little confused as to what theater skills are exactly and how they could be beneficial to them in their careers. So we dive into the details of that. We also talk about the importance of collaboration, the importance of focusing on the self. And also, we discuss story as a lesson. This is a very interesting topic that I think all of you teachers out there will really benefit from. If you like this episode, please head to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, let us know your thoughts. This episode is all about connecting and relating to those who you are working with. And though we talk specifically about teachers, this advice can be applied to a variety of different industries. So, with all of that said, let me please introduce today's guests of Relate, Rose Bonsack and Mike Flanagan. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Relate podcast. Today we have two great guests joining us Rose Bonsack, who's actually been on the podcast before. As well as her friend and colleague Mike Flanagan. Rose and Mike, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you, Patrick. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I'm I'm very excited to be chatting with you both. As I as I just mentioned, we had rose on the podcast a little while back to promote one of her books at that time turn that thing off and and today we are talking about another one of her books this time that she has co-authored with with mike called all the classrooms a stage and i think a lot of what you talk about in this book is very applicable to what we talk about on the relate podcast this podcast is all about the importance of building meaningful connections and relationships specifically in our age of technology. And I think while your book focuses a lot on the teachers' relationships and their teaching methods with with their students and in the classroom, I think it's also very applicable advice for anyone working in the real world as well. So I'm I'm very excited to dive into this conversation with you both.
2: Excellent. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, We're excited too.
0: (laughs) So I'm wondering if you could just uh, first start off by each of you sharing maybe just a little bit about your background and then what both inspired you to create this book?
1: Well, I'll jump in really quick because um, I'm a lifelong theater teacher and director and rarely had the opportunity to teach non-theater courses. And yet throughout the years, I would sometimes have opportunities to do workshops uh, on campus, etc., for teachers from other realms and found that a lot of the theater work that we would do that we do every day was so valuable to these teachers in their classrooms like simple exercises things that are that we kind of take for granted to make those human connections to make those partnerships were a little bit revelatory and the thing that kept coming up from a lot of especially early career teachers was we would love more training in how to teach, what happens when I'm on my feet, what happens when I'm in that classroom. And Mike and Mike and I have known each other as theater colleagues for a long time. Mike was, I'll, I'll let him speak to his experience, but he was having opportunities to teach in non-theater classes. And it was his initiative to say, you know, I'm applying all of my theater skills in these other subject areas and I think a book about this would be fabulous. And so I just, I jumped on for the ride then. I was like, <laughs> you tell me what you need. <laughs> so that's me.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm also a a theater director and have been teaching theater. Um, and there was a good portion of my life, especially shortly after um, getting out of school for theater that I was riding around New York City subways and buses to direct something or teach something or tutor something kind of to pay the bills um, and what ended up happening especially at a couple of colleges is they noticed that I use kind of theater techniques in tutoring and teaching and I started to get more comments like that and at one college they had kind of a, a tutoring center and they said we want you to write the study skills program because of how we see you tutoring and and, uh, kind of make a welcome to college program. And then another college said, we want you to kind of rewrite the curriculum for our freshman seminar classes. Again, the classes that students will be required to take on going to college. It's kind of about how college is different than what their life was before. And it was, I didn't have a degree in it. I'm not an expert in what to do when you go to college. I, I uh, remember being in college and how much nicer it was than things are now. No, I'm kidding. But the, the kind of connective tissue was that using theater techniques and what we do in running a rehearsal as directors and to a certain extent, what actors can do really uh, naturally comes to us in a classroom and whether that's teaching English classes or writing classes or study skills classes or theater classes those techniques are the same and just engaging students and making something happen and it's also something that I noticed missing from a lot of the colleges I was going to often particularly at a couple of the colleges where I've taught the uh, requirement to be a Teacher, a professor at this college was experienced doing the thing you're teaching. So, an accountant would teach an accounting course, but that accountant, who ran a very successful business for many years of his life, didn't necessarily have any idea what to do in front of a room, and the results were often deadly, kind of, you know, Ferris Bueller teacher quality deadly. Um, <laughs> and that kind of led me to start thinking, well, what can we do with that and i i worked with rose a little bit on a couple books and read all of them and they're all on the shelf over there and so i called rose and said hey what do you think about this and she was on board
0: yeah i i really i I love hearing about the background as to the the kernel that that created this book because i i think just someone who's been in the theater world and who has who's dabbled in other industries as well I i really see the value in in applying theatrical concepts and techniques to one's work. And I, I think it's obviously very applicable for teachers as well. For those of our listeners who are tuning in, we have a variety of different people who tune into the Relate podcast. And I think sometimes, at least this has been in my experience, where sometimes I'll talk about, "Oh my gosh, everyone would benefit from from learning theater techniques, and and uh, everyone could benefit from this type of learning." But for those people who are tuning in who don't really understand what is meant by theater techniques through theatrical teaching, doesn't quite understand what that means. I'm wondering if both of you could elaborate a little bit more on that for for those who are tuning in who might not be theater people.
1: Sure. Um, I'll jump in first. I would say theater skills really simply are human skills. Actors spend every single day simply strengthening the skills that we organically and naturally have But actors, of course, have to develop them to uh, a particular kind of strength and flexibility and adaptability in order to inhabit a range of characters and to tell a range of stories. So everybody on the planet already has these skills within. And so when we say theater skills, we don't mean we're going to make you go in front of the spotlight, in front of your community of, you know, 5,000 people and do, you know, and and say Hamlet. It's (laughs) how it's how can I how can I? Simple things. How can I understand the concept of yes and in a way whether I'm teaching in a classroom or I'm running a meeting in a boardroom to say yes to ideas that are offered instead of shooting them down right away? What is that? That's a a basic theater skill. Even simple things like vocal and physical preparation. Um, One of the things I I would love for us to touch on during this discussion is teachers and self-care. But I think self-care is a wider thing, especially given this past year, that is applicable to everyone from every profession. So theater skills are simply developing an awareness of the skills we already innately have, whether that's yes and, listening, spontaneity, honoring your first impulses, trust, all of these things. And after awareness, taking certain actions to strengthen and develop those skills, and then bring them into your life, and bring them into your work, too, um, in different degrees. And Pat, pass to Mike. um... (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. Um, it, I
2: I use uh, a word often, and some people who know me will say, and work with me will say too often, but it's, it's really the backbone for it to me, and that's collaboration. Theater is a collaborative art by the very nature of what it does. And as a theater director, which is by far most of the work that I've done outside of the classroom in theater, you know, you have a group of people who may not know each other sitting in a room for the first time on that rehearsal day. The only commonality is they showed up and met with me in an audition. And then we're sitting around a table and there might be anxiety, there might be discomfort, there might be, you know, people on their phones looking at the texting, dealing with whatever family issue is happening at the moment. And it's kind of the job of the theater director to walk in and say, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to collaborate and truly collaborate, not manipulate, not kind of pretend that we're open to all ideas, but really my ideas matter. But it's kind of this... (laughs) true collaboration of you know whatever happens in here it's a safe space you can present your ideas and and try things and explore and take risks and it's all fine and creating that kind of a a safe and creative and open and trusting environment is you know at the core of making good collaboration possible and those kind of techniques and that aspect of theater was a really clear through line to the classroom for me.
1: And, and I would say, it, and adding on to that, I mean, this is in the book, but this is also under that rubric of theater skills. What are the ways that we develop those bonds of trust? What are practical things that we can do in various settings, no matter what subject we teach or what we do in life to uh, help create a safe space or, or a playful space or a place where people can feel that wonderful collaborative energy as mike was just describing Mm
0: -hmm. yes i i I love what you're both are saying and uh, mike i love how you brought up collaboration because i i feel like that's that's definitely a word that could be recognized across across many different worlds and it really is when we start to learn how to collaborate that we build that trust and that empathy that is so vital to learning more about ourselves, but then also the people that we're working with. And I think that collaboration and, and empathy and, and, and teamwork, all of these things, they're so inherent in, in the work of theater practitioners and I think, too, I, I'm a big believer that they're inherent in self-care as well. And I love how you brought this up, Rose, about how we really do need to be having more conversation around teachers and self-care. So I'm wondering if we could dive in a little bit deeper into that. How, how do you believe these sort of practices could assist teachers in their self-care?
1: Well, I, I would start by saying simply... When was the last time any teacher particularly from this past year was able to step back and simply focus on themselves or some aspect of themselves um how can i how can i strengthen the health of my body my voice when was you know am i mindful of my nutrition you can talk about the basics right that self-care is it, it, I always bring it back to one of my favorite sayings is you need to put your own oxygen mask on first before you can assist your fellow passengers. And teachers, by and large as a profession, tend to be so generous that it's all about getting everybody else their oxygen masks first, even if it means giving up their own oxygen. And it's not about being selfish. It's simply about needing to start with focusing on your own self, starting with I mean, and and again, these are all things we lay out in the book. How can I use how can I use the Udhahag and nine questions of the actor to apply to myself as a teacher? Who am I as a teacher? What are my unique strengths? What are my unique challenges? What uh, what is my you know what is my objective? What do I want in this class? Not I hope that everybody will stay awake and be engaged, you know. But what do I want? from the students and taking taking that time to reflect and developing a process that helps one reflect. And then also, how do I address my the health of my voice so I don't lose my voice? So I'm not getting my fourth cold of the season, you know, in a, in a normal year. So I'm not awake at three in the morning um, thinking about things so methods and processes of focusing on the self, becoming aware of what you already have, like we said before with the theater skills, and then what are some things I can do to address the things that need to be strengthened, and then even before, and all of that even before I set foot in a classroom.
2: I uh, always really connect to that oxygen mask idea that you put it on yourself before you put it on the person next to you. And this week for the first time I taught in person for the first time in a year. Um, There's two acting classes I teach that they, they were able to reopen them in a hybrid format. So it's a two day a week class and the first day is in person, second day still on Zoom. So it was the first time in a year I walked into a pretty good sized black box theater with a group of six students in the class. And there was so much preparation for COVID protocols. You know it's it's making sure i got there now early to make sure the seating was spaced out enough and that the activities i had planned had room for people to move around and still not come within the six feet and to make sure everything was set up and the directions and how to get to this room was clear and so on and so forth and as as a co-author of this book i had done no self-care as far as preparing for that lesson <laughs> for that day on top of the fact that you know covid quarantine isn't the most self-care friendly environment anyway
1: right. um,
2: and the, the the literal connection i had to that oxygen oxygen mask moment was they showed up and everything was fine socially distanced all my preparation was great and i started teaching and standing on the stage of a theater and teaching six spaced out students across different seating areas and projecting and making sure they could all hear me and i ran out of breath Because I'm wearing the mask, and I hadn't all year worn a mask to teach a group of people. I'd worn a mask to the store, to various places, you know, but not where I needed to project and use my voice and take a deep breath and uh, hadn't prepared for any of that. So it was kind of a literal realization that I needed to adjust and make sure I could prepare and was ready for it and the glasses are fogging up. And so by the second day um, for the other class that I taught in person, I was reminded the first day to do that kind of personal preparation to make sure that I could present something in a way that you know, in this case, that they could hear it, and that I wouldn't sound like a, a wheezing person who was on his last legs in front of a group of students who were excited <laughs> to learn in person.
1: Well, and 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 I would add, Mike and I were talking yesterday. There's also this past year, we're on a lot of these different uh, teacher group pages on social media and such, and all year long, I've seen teachers say, uh, uh, "Who has a recommendation for an exercise? Who has a recommendation for lesson plan?" x or y i have i've seen almost no posts about hey here's how i'm feeling does anyone have any recommendations for how i'm feeling or what i'm experiencing but in private in private conversations what i've heard from fellow teachers is some people call it zoom fatigue but there's a particular kind of exhaustion of being in a zoom being online with the class it's happening in the present moment you, it's happening in real time, and some part of you starts to push and push and push your energy because all you know is you're recognizing that you're not feeling that human connection that you feel when you're in person. So you end up sending this energy out in this huge way that afterwards there's this exhaustion. I've, I've heard people describe a nausea, sore throats, because, you know, Zoom wasn't made for... For teaching necessarily, Zoom certainly wasn't made for theater, but we're doing the best we can. And that thing that Mike described is, as teachers, not only what people have been experiencing this past year, but as we re-enter the classrooms again in person, it's it will be helpful. And this is why we feel the book, you know, ironically, it's like oh great, a book about collaborating in person published in the time of COVID, <laughs> woohoo! But now. We're saying, wait a minute, there's so much of value in this book that can help support teachers as they go back into the classroom. What has happened to those collaborative skills and to be able to focus our energy with our students and and that give and take collaboration and getting used to that in real time to get, not just getting used to it, but developing a process that's going to help us achieve that bond again.
0: Yes. Oh, this, <laughs> this is so important. And I, I hope that there are a variety of different teachers and fa- facilitators who are tuning into the show and, and hearing this message today, because I think that it really, when when teachers really take that time to check in with themselves, to practice self-care, they could then go into the classroom with, with uh, greater intentions and, and I feel like a, a clearer focus as well for how they're going to lead their class how they're going to teach their class and that really brings me to the analogy of the the title of your book that that all all the classrooms a stage and i know this is something that you talk about obviously a lot in the book you go in into detail and i i I really love how you you phrase it in this way so i'm wondering for our listeners if you could describe what what both of you mean by this how is the classroom a
2: stage I can, I can start first on that one, and then I'll pass it off to Rose. <laughs> um, the, the initial concept, kind of the, the very umbrella-like concept for that idea, is the, the, the kind of phrase that gets passed around is the sage on the stage thing, right? that the teacher is going to stand in front of the room and lecture for an hour and then give a test on it the next week. But what we do that's that delves a little deeper than that, is this idea that not only is it uh, not the teacher's job necessarily to stand up on the stage and lecture to an audience of students but that that shouldn't be considered a stage that as soon as we put a dividing line and make it um, in the book we call it us versus them or us and them right that that separation is kind of anti-theater that uh, as a theater director, I don't stand there and command the actors in the play on what to do and tell them where to go and make tell them how I want them to act it. It's a back and forth, again, collaboration. So it becomes how to take that environment of a classroom that often even is physically designed to look like you know us versus them, that we're at the front behind a podium and they're sitting in seats or desks in front of us. Um, looking up with expectation, waiting for us to give them the answers that they need, whereas the relationship right now with education, and I think it has been for a long time, is an exchange, a back and forth of an idea, is a sharing of a, a space that is the stage so that we're all on it, that there is a and it's just as important for these students in the classroom to feel comfortable and engaged and active and participating and, and asking questions and coming up with ideas and offering answers and and being correct and being wrong and not worrying so much about how they're going to be perceived by the, the judgmental teacher versus the person who's saying yes to everything that they're bringing into the room.
1: And picking up on that, I, I, one of the other things we talk about is students are also learning how to learn so if you engage them and focus a little less on right and wrong i mean yes you let them know when you know when they're on the right track or not it allows them to learn how to learn along the way uh the other thing about that that relationship and that give and take of that engagement is you, you what what makes the bigger difference when a student doesn't feel like they're needed in the classroom, or when they feel that they are needed to be a part of that story?
2: You know, right. otherwise
1: the teacher is just a talking audio book. And if I feel like I am needed in that engagement, and that that lesson cannot happen without my presence, I'm going to be a lot more open to the learning. I'm going to feel a lot more connected to that teacher, and and I know sometimes it can feel you know when you're on your feet and you've got a lot of subject material to cover in a semester it can sometimes feel like well i don't have time for that and that's one of the other uh, inspirations to write this book sometimes there are really simple things you can do to establish that environment or to give the students ownership of the physical environment and then simple steps to to the ownership of the material and the lesson and how to be how how to be a um stronger performer as a teacher. And I don't mean performer, like, you know, let me, you know, organ grinder and, you know, and and (laughs) busker on the stage for, for, for coins, but simply awareness of the performative aspect of teaching, being aware, being aware and sensitive to, am I connecting with the students or am I losing them? Am I sensing that energy flow? And what can I adjust? Am I going, what actions am I using? What tactics, like an actor? What tactics am I using to connect with my, my partners, the students? And what am I getting back? And then, whatever I get back from the students, using that to feed the next beat and trying to say yes, and even to myself that there's always something I can build on. You know, no matter what, you know, my student Mike gives me in the classroom, my student Patrick gives me, it's like, okay, we can work with that now how do we build on it and again that way a student does, you know think about how you feel in a classroom when somebody says well that's just wrong and <laughs> you shrink yeah. you shrink up you close up. in any setting really so and what does it cost us you you know the right answer do you gain anything by saying I know the right answer and you don't no and I'm not saying any you know te- teachers in their right mind do that but sometimes on the fly, a student can end up feeling that way. You know? And again, I get that we're not talking about ooey gooey, we're talking about you know, education is serious business, but that there are ways to build that ensemble in the classroom, no matter what the subject.
2: One of the, the great discoveries I, I made as, as a theater director early on in working with actors in particular is the, that an actor will be, will be working on a scene and the actor will have a terrible idea whatever that might be physically, how to do something, how to deliver a line, whatever that is. And I know in my head, oh, that's awful. But if if I say it's awful, they will cease to come up with additional ideas. If I say, great, try it, not lie and say, that's amazing, never change it, but just kind of say, try it. Let's explore that. Let's go down that road and see where it takes us. That actor, one, 90% of the time will figure out that it's a terrible idea and then move on to something new. But if they don't, that seeing me allow them to try something and explore and present an idea that's accepted and play with other actors will lead to a later discussion where down the line i can say now let's try something different and there's trust they'll say okay i know that you'll let me try things so i trust you i trust myself and we have that back and forth and the same exact thing can apply in the classroom Um, Again, you don't let a student think that they're wrong about a, a question or a subject matter, but as far as a class discussion or presenting ideas and back and forthing, if you let them explore that in a group setting on their own, doing group work in a class discussion, whatever that might be, it's far more likely that they'll engage with you and everyone else in the room knowing that they have the agency of a participant in this class.
0: Yeah. Yes, I, I I love what you're saying about the importance of really using story to engage the those who are within the classroom. And I know Rose, you touched upon this a little bit, and then Mike, you were elaborating. And the, this is something that really resonated with me in the book was was uh, making the lesson a story, or or, or really uh, creating a story out of the lesson, so that way. The students feel like that they're a part of an overarching, I guess, story that is contributing to what's being taught. So I'm wondering if both of you could talk about this a little bit more, because I think it really is when framing a lesson this way, when framing it as a story, it really uh, it I, I think looking at it this way really makes it a powerful uh, way to engage everybody so I'm wondering if if you could talk with us a little bit about the the origin of that idea and and how you might elaborate uh, a little bit more on that in the book as well Right? Yeah. <laughs> sure
2: you... <laughs> uh well the the idea behind story as a lesson is the, the kind of a, another difference between someone standing there and telling you what something is um, versus shaping it as the exploration of uh, a journey or needing to find something, or there's a different answer at the end and we're going to work together to find that answer. So that it's not a, you know, a series of notes on the board write this down, it's gonna be on the test but it becomes um, a question. How do we find the solution even in a math problem? And I'm delving into an area that one, I'm terrible at, and two, I don't know anything about, so forgive the metaphor, but uh, it's a, a math problem could be solve this, no, you're wrong or yes, you're right. But if it's presented as what, what's the story of this problem? Well, we need to achieve the answer and what's getting in the way of us achieving the answer and how can we overcome that obstacle and let's work together sometimes it's assign them into groups and then everybody figure out a different step of the math problem a different leg of the journey belongs to each person so then suddenly everyone's working together to try to find an answer in presenting it in that way as kind of a story of, of seeking or questing or trying to achieve something Again, it gives them agency. It lets them kind of explore and try to find it. And then you get to, in the book, we kind of say you're kind of like the Gandalf, um, which is a pretty good <laughs> place for a teacher to be where oh, yeah. you're, you're not telling them all the answers to everything and what it is, but you're kind of encouraging and guiding and saying, yeah, keep going in that direction. Or where else might you go or go, you know, try it, these different avenues to get there. And the, the word that comes out of that kind of exchange becomes fun. As opposed to the slog of well let me fi- find the answer let me check my math and go and erase this x and change it to y or whatever the case might be uh, it's shaping the entire approach as story
1: yeah and is, i i didn't mean to punt toward mike but i punted toward mike uh, before simply because mike is a, a, a real writer he's also a novelist etc <laughs> and so he so he totally took the lead on the story chapter so uh, uh Thanks, Rose. So- I don't mind. <laughs> My pleasure. Um, I I would I would add to that two things, because I think that's a, a brilliant way to put it. It really is like uh, when you have 10 actors in a story and you have to have faith that the playwright put those 10 roles in there for a reason. And if one person isn't there, there's some part of the story that's not being served. So if you're retrofitting that story and doing an assignment to... All of the students in the class, and you can help create that feeling that the story can't be told without me, without my part of it. A- a- exactly as Mike said, there's that agency, there's that ownership, but there's also that feeling of being active and and on a journey somewhere. And um, I- I'm actually um, doing a series of story workshops right now. And in one of the conversations the other night, you know, it came up. We said. Uh, uh, what's more interesting? You know, Lisa, who's uh, um, one of the members of the story group, she got a new kitten. Said, what's the more interesting story? Lisa got a new kitten or Lisa had a dream about a little gray kitten. And the next day, a friend called her and said, hey, we have these five little rescue kittens. Do you want one? It's like, oh, we remember a story more than we remember data or facts. And so, even even if it's a mathematical fact, yes, two plus two equals four, if we work together to solve that, I'm gonna remember the story of how we solved it together. And I think that's another theater technique that's applicable across professions. If we can create, if we can tell it through a story or create a story in the process itself, I think people are more apt to be engaged. Their curiosity is more apt to be ignited. They're more apt to collaborate and they're more apt to retain it, to learn, and then to build on that for whatever comes next.
2: Mm -hmm. I had a teacher once, and so much of this also comes out of, you know, when you think of what, who are some of your favorite teachers from when you were a student? Mm -hmm. And so much of the time, it's somebody who's a good storyteller whether just somebody who can you know spin a yarn well or somebody who can do what we've been talking about well and i had a, a history professor once and we got to the section on cleopatra and he started telling elizabeth taylor stories and i had no <laughs> idea why i remember this to this day that's how, how much it affected me I'm, why are we i don't need to know about elizabeth taylor i need to know about what i need to do on the test but then when it came <laughs> time to kind of give back the information and show that i learned it That Elizabeth Taylor story kind of opened up the window to that entire day
0: or that entire
2: lesson and suddenly it was like oh so I don't need to write Elizabeth Taylor as an answer on the test but because I remember that wacky story about Elizabeth Taylor I'm now remembering that entire day and the discussion and what other people said and what I said and have all that information.
0: Yeah it really is amazing how storytelling is what allows us to to bind to one another, to to create meaningful relationships and and to engage in, in collaboration. So much of you know what we've talked about in in this this episode thus far. And from there, I'm wondering uh, if you could get given everything that you discuss in your book about providing theatrical techniques, methods, skills, as Rose, you were saying, these are human skills and teaching them to teachers who are looking to engage more with their students. How do you believe these skill sets could really allow us to develop deeper and more meaningful relationships, whether it be with our students or whether it's with our friends, family, colleague, whoever it may be? Well,
1: I'll I'll jump in first. I think I think it's starting with developing or strengthening your relationship with yourself especially if you're in a profession where self often gets pushed to the bottom of the list so you know we're back to self care and then through the practice of listening yes and awareness I'm I'm aware of what the people around me are feeling and saying I'm taking them in on a deeper level I'm developing more empathy, you know? I mean, we've been, empathy has been a very big word in our lives and society in the, particularly in the last couple of years. Um, it's a word that's being used to describe, you know, our, our new president and, you know, new leadership, etc. Empathy and how to develop it comes through those human skills. Can I observe more closely? Am I taking in the other people? Am I allowing myself to be vulnerable? And and sometimes people associate the word vulnerability with weakness, and it's not. Vulnerability is being open. That's another human theater skill. Can I be open to the people that are around me and allow myself to be open to what they're giving me and allowing myself to be affected by what they're giving me? Not like, nope, don't want that. Nope, that's not valid. Nope, pushing it away but by allowing it, it's like, then I am considering that what they have is of value to me. Even if I think, no, initially but what if you allowed yourself to really hear and hear that person, take them in? And that's how you start to develop more groundwork. I mean, I could go down other bunny trails. We, you know, we talk about um, making your partner look good is another actor skill. What does it cost me if I put my focus on the other person? That's something else. And to take it off myself in that moment. And I'm genuinely curious about them. And here you take, you know, you pass the ball. It's the old improv rule too. I pass the ball instead of hugging the ball. And all of that, I think, really contributes to making stronger relationships, stronger collaborative relationships and that are grounded in Empathy and humanity.
2: Yeah, we could definitely, and, and we're not going to do this, but there could be a book series, like all the living rooms a stage, and all the romantic dinner tables <laughs> oh, a stage, yeah, and yeah. all the Very conference true. room tables a stage, right? There's, <laughs> it, it applies to so much, um, and and everything that Rose said is, of course, absolutely dead on. And and for me, the only thing to add to that is the the idea of getting over fear that a lot of kind of actor training and directing and and actor teaching and theater skills in general are being able to get past this fear that so many of us have of major things. And some some people might even consider minor things, but if it's minor and you're still suffering from a fear of it, it becomes a major thing. One of the the great things that we mention in, in the book is a story by Keith Johnstone who says, uh, tells, uh, and I'll give the kind of quick, short, short version of the story, that the uh, a lot of students in a classroom will go through the scenario where the teacher will say, we're all going to read from this chapter in this book aloud, and each student will get one paragraph from the chapter, and you go down the rows of desks, and everybody gets one paragraph. And hands down, most people will count the number of desks to count to their, their paragraph, and read their paragraph, not listening to anyone else's paragraph at all, not reading the chapter. And it's entirely to make sure, uh, I don't wanna look stupid in front of anyone. I gotta make sure I can pronounce all the words. I have to make sure that I've rehearsed this so that when I do it, I read it in a way that doesn't call attention to me or embarrass me. And it's one of those roots of, you know how do we go through life? And is is it going through life, making sure we don't do anything that might make us feel uncomfortable, that might make us feel, address that fear of, you know, it's more than just the fear of public speaking, but of will I do something that won't be accepted by someone? Will I do something that I will later um, think of in the shower for years to come? and say, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Or can we get ourselves to truly accept that what we offer is valid and uh, accepting and that no one is going to respond in a way that is uh, dismissive?
1: Mm and i think that touches on another really important theater skill which is how do you shift the focus from all the things i shouldn't say and shouldn't do or i don't have what is available to me what can i do what is possible and that's you know playing the positive versus the negative not positive like you know happy peppy and bursting with love but positive as in active and achievable what is available to me
0: right right Oh, this is this is amazing. I mean, the this conversation I, I think for our listeners has given them a, a lot of opportunity to figure out okay, how can I better relate to to other people, whether it's in the classroom or in the conference room or in the living room, and and, and really really figure out ways <laughs> for that to romantic dinner, yeah yeah, to to in, engage with 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 other people, and so. Rose and Mike, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to join me on Relate today. Not only for taking the time, but also for the work that you're doing. I, I really appreciate your perspectives as artists, as theater practitioners, and also really appreciate this this new book that you've written, All the Classrooms of Stage. I think that for any of you teachers who are, who are tuning in today, I think this is a very valuable book that you could learn a lot from. And so with all of that said, I'm wondering if you could just share with our listeners where they could find out more information about you and your work and and where they could find the book as well.
1: Uh, Sure, the publisher, um, All the Classroom's a Stage, Applying three Theater Principles to Teaching Techniques. Uh, The publisher is Roman and Littlefield, R-O-W-M-A-N. You can get it directly from the publisher, but I recommend Order it from your local bookstore if you can support independent bookstores, and uh, my website is uh and uh, that the the spelling is C Z. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy C Z. <laughs>
2: and uh, you can find me mostly on Twitter at it's at mflanny one two four m f l a and n y one two four and or uh go to Rose's website <laughs> <laughs> perfect well I'll
0: make sure And to, we're on
1: Facebook and all those things yeah too. <laughs> I'll make
0: sure to include the links to those various resu- resources in our show notes so for our listeners out there all you have to do is scroll in the show notes all those various links will be in there highly recommend uh checking both of them out and highly recommend getting the book as well so uh, Rose and Mike, thank you so much again for joining us
2: on the show. Oh, thanks for having us. It's been a lot of fun.
1: Thank you so much, Patrick. It's so good to see you and speak with you again.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Relate. You can let me know your thoughts on this episode by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a review. Or if you have the Anchor app, feel free to call in and leave a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. You can support this podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.